Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined by my partner in crime for the NFL and our jack of all trades at the podcast. He is Alex Uplinger. He manages the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Watch him uh, on his personal account as well at Alex underscore up seven. As we get set for NFL week seven. That's right. Month of October winding down, which means. Sadly, Alex, we're about to hit the halfway point of the NFL regular season. (laughs) Greg, I'm. Every week it just gets shorter and shorter. I'm just, I'm upset, but I'm super excited. This is a fun Thursday night game. I'm actually very excited for this matchup. It looks very interesting. Before we jump in, I do have a generic trend that I think is worth noting at the top of the pod here. Obviously, we have bye weeks underway, so not everybody that is playing in week seven has played six games previously. Some teams have only played five and are coming off of their buys. So this trend includes teams that are four and one or five and one against the spread. And it's a pretty large sample in their next game. They are 36, 65 and three against the spread. And to further that a little bit more, when the team is a dog against one of these four and one or five and one ATS teams, 
The dog is 49-20-1 against the spread, covering for a 70% clip. We already saw that one of those dogs against a high-cover machine last week. It was the Monday night game with Tennessee getting to the window as and winning the game outright against Buffalo. So um, it's something that I always like to look at. I know that I think we talked about it week three with the 0-2 ATS teams, or maybe it was week four with the 0-3 ATSers. Uh, but I think the, the point remains the same, that the betting market usually catches up to these point spread dynamite teams. And honestly, when I saw this, Alex, my first thought was, who do the Dallas Cowboys play this week? Because they're now 5-0 and against the spread, which really just pains me as a Patriots plus four backer last week. That was just agonizing. But uh, Dallas does have a bye, so I probably will be looking uh, at, well, I'm curious what that line opens. Halloween night, Sunday night football, Minnesota and Dallas. Uh, Minnesota coming off a bye as well. Uh, I'll be looking probably to play Minnesota there. Uh, I, I think this stuff's pretty strong when it comes to, again, high cover machines coming back to the norm. Uh, usually, again, the, the books catch up. So just, just an interesting little nugget there uh, that I wanted to speak yeah, to. Yeah, it's going to gonna be kind of – it's going to be – it's going to be a lot of fun to, to see, you know, because then you also have those Kirk Cousin trends in prime time. So that's definitely yeah, right. something to consider. So it's a little scary to back the Vikings with Kirk Cousins in prime time, but that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'll definitely be looking at that. And we do have two of these teams in action that are 4-1 and one or 5-1 and one against the spread this weekend. Those two being the Green Bay Packers and Arizona Cardinals. And I think that probably perfectly illustrates the point because Green Bay and Arizona are two of the biggest favorites of the week in the NFL. So we'll obviously get into those games specifically as we run through the rotation. But I think the point I'm trying to make is backed by what we're seeing here. And even with Buffalo last week, where these teams get expensive and I mean, I couldn't get there with Tennessee because I was just so worried about the defense. But, you know, Buffalo laying five and a half, six on the road against a playoff team is a steep price. And Arizona's close to a three touchdown favorite. Like, that's crazy in the NFL. And, and, and Green Bay, you know, that number got bet down. And I'm not surprised to some extent that there's been some support for Washington. So, I think the the point there is these teams get expensive. You start paying a premium in the point spread market, and you just got to be a little careful. Yeah, you see these huge numbers. I'm seeing the Cardinals are laying 17 and a half yeah. at home. I mean, how do you run to the window to bet a football team in the NFL? In the but, NFL, right. Like this Yeah, it's college just football. Like, Right, this isn't college where the totals are 82 and oh, a half. It's a totally different sport when it comes to <laughs> betting. Completely. I cannot run to the window delay 17 and a half. But In the NFL, period. No. It doesn't matter who the team is. It's but Right. <laughs> good luck so if you're doing let's, that. Let's get to one of the games with one of the shorter point spreads of the week. And one that you mentioned you're kind of excited about, the Denver Broncos traveling to Lake Erie to take on the Cleveland Browns. 
Denver number 309 in the rotation as we'll move in rotation order here. Total in this game of just 41. Obviously, the big news, Baker Mayfield will not play for Cleveland as it's going to be Case Keenum getting the nod. And, you know, I do think it's worth noting, and we talked about this, we both um, liked Denver for a couple reasons in our opening line spaces conversation that we did on Sunday night. First and foremost, this number opened four and a half, five. And it was kind of the perfect spot when everybody had kind of drifted away from the Broncos. They won the first three of the season, lost the next three. Now they're three and three. And there was there's much less attention on Denver uh, nationwide. Obviously, it's a nationally televised primetime game. But nobody's really looking at Denver as anything more than a fringe playoff team again. And that's when you want to get on Teddy Bridgewater again in his normal underdog role. That's his spot where he really thrives against the number. So that was the first reason why I grabbed Denver on the opener. And then the second reason was just the fact that we weren't sure about Baker Mayfield playing and thought, well, naturally, there's only one way this line can go. Even if Baker Mayfield does play, it's hard to see enough money coming in on Cleveland to where the number was going to move up. Sure enough, Baker Mayfield not going to play. Cleveland also going to be down. It's two running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So I, I think this is an interesting number here because when I saw the news about Baker Mayfield, I was thinking, okay, Cleveland will probably go off as an underdog in this game, and I might be able to come in and grab Cleveland and have a five, six point middle to work with without having to do a thing. And, uh, you know, obviously that's not the case right now as it's only moved about three points. And I guess when you think about it, when you think about what Baker Mayfield is normally asked to do, or maybe what he isn't asked to do by that Cleveland offense, it does make some sense because he kind of has just been in a, a game manager role, which is weird to say for a number one overall pick, but he has always kind of been supported by that strong running game. And they've never had a you know routine, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. has been there for a downfield threat, but he hasn't been the receiver he was with the Giants. So they've never really hit a lot of big plays through the air either. And Mayfield, as I said, just kind of managed the game with a roster that's good enough to where managing the game and protecting the football, especially last year, led to a lot of wins. So I guess when you actually think about what they ask of Baker Mayfield or what they don't ask, it does kind of still make sense that this number sitting at like one and a half. And you also have Case Keenum, who's one of the more competent backups, we would think, in the NFL. And last point, who's the coach? Kevin Stefanski, who was the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. I believe they overlapped a little bit with him and Case Keenum there in Minnesota. So probably somebody that uh, the two of them know the offense that they want to run pretty well. Having said all of that, um, I, you know, I, Cleveland down all these players, it, it just, it feels fishy that they're still favored. I, at the current number would not play the game. Uh, 41 is a low total. We know that Denver, you know, is still down. It doesn't look like Jerry Judy's coming back and the Broncos with those two running backs, they have Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, probably want to run the ball a heavy dose themselves. Uh, you know, So it makes sense that the total is where it's at. I don't see a lot side total-wise that I like right now. I'm going to sit on my Denver plus four and a half. But even that, I'm starting to worry a little bit about when I see this number only move two, three points with the Baker Mayfield news. What are you seeing here? 
I'm completely agreeing. I'm, it's kind of fishy that it only went down that few amount of points. I really like the Broncos here. I think the Broncos should win outright. Like, this is saying that Baker Mayfield's one of the least valuable quarterbacks to the points. And, and I completely agree. I think a healthy Keenum is probably better than a banged-up Baker. I mean, granted, the injury was on his Which makes you think if you had to play the side right now, you'd play Cleveland, right? No, I I think the Broncos win outright. I I really strongly... I hope so, but I I just... I'm going to sit on my plus four. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm sitting on plus four, but I'm strongly considering Broncos' money line. My biggest concern is that this is... In Cleveland, so that's that's kind of a strong home field advantage. With there's there's very few left. There's very few strong home field advantages left. What do we know about Teddy Bridgewater's health too? I saw that he was limited in practice today. Actually, with the they listed at a foot injury, so I'm not quite sure what that is. I know he was coming off the concussion protocol and he played, but now he's listed as limited with a foot injury. But this Broncos defense is very strong. They're fourth in the NFL against the rush. They're 11th in the NFL, giving up an average passing yards per game. They're 10th in the NFL in average sacks per game. And then this Cleveland defense. They haven't been great. And then you're seeing all these injuries. It's really a ton of injuries. No Chubb, like you mentioned. No Hunt, like you mentioned. Baker, I don't know if that's that big of a downgrade as people are expecting. I don't know if there's a huge drop-off from Baker to Keenum. I'm really not so sure about that. That's what makes me so worried about this as we grab the – the best of the number, four, four and a half. But then you see the offensive line, and that's my biggest concern. You see starting tackles, Conklin and Jedrick Wills. They were both limited in practice today. And you see their yeah, starting Yeah, and both of center. them did not play against Arizona. Yep, and then their center, J.C. Treader, he was limited as well. Their rookie... Uh, their rookie linebacker, Jeremiah Awusu Koromai, he's out. And that's a big concern. I think that's the biggest concern is the offensive line. I'd be highly concerned when you see Von Miller coming off the edge. I really like the Broncos to win this yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. I just don't get why the Broncos aren't a favorite now. But maybe they still go off. Right. But, I mean, it's a prime well, time that, that's standalone game. That's the biggest game. concern, right? Yeah. That the, that the line only dropped down that many points. Right. And, and, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I would get it if Cleveland was healthy outside of the quarterback position. And you wanted to make that argument that, as you said, healthy Keenum better than banged up Baker. Keenum, as I said, maybe familiar with Stefanski's offense, can manage the game in a similar fashion. But as you said, they're banged up everywhere, it feels like right now. And uh, it's a problem, I think, for the Browns. And, you know, 
I, I, I will say just from a non-gambling standpoint, this is actually a really big game for both of these teams. Like three and three, three and three. The Browns are in probably the best division in the AFC in the North. And the Broncos, you know, maybe are in the second best division or maybe the West is the best. Who knows? But the loser of this game is going to be three and four. And, you know, three and four normally isn't seasons over. But you're panicking a little bit, I think, with being three and four in the AFC West or the AFC North. So just a pretty big game, I think, overall right now for both these teams. And who knows? Maybe one or both these teams end up in wild card talks at the end of the year. And this is a big head to head tiebreaker in a couple months. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this is a huge game. and That's what kind of makes me concerned that this line has not dropped that much. Like Brown's only given two and a half at home with a back off of quarterback. a bad game, too. Like they got their ass off a terrible game. Yeah, terrible game, which makes me kind of we'll get to it later. But Houston Texans. You know, Cardinals are coming off the best yeah. start they've ever had. Exactly. Yeah, we'll definitely dive more into that one. But uh, again, I, I if you listen to our spaces, we like to talk opening lines and I grab the Broncos. I, I don't see much I could do with this game right now. I guess I would I hear what Alex is saying. What about, about, an under? What about a first half under? I mean, that's kind of our favorite. I was thing kind of looking at football. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love the first half under Thursday night football. Yeah, I was kind of looking at that, but Thursday night just gets wacky for some reason. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, gosh, I'm probably gonna. The I don't even know. Like, I picked up the Demetric Felton back for the Johnson fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Like I, the first touchdowns are gonna be like I'm gonna be betting on somebody I've never heard of probably. Yeah, first I was sprinkles, I was looking so. at that one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, how do you even hang first touchdown odds on some of these guys? You don't even know who they are. The Cleveland guys, books don't even, how do they know who they are? <laughs> no, I, I saw Johnson at uh, plus 700. He was a favorite just because you have to lay the favorite on just any running, running back, back that's starting. Favorite, yeah, right. but I saw Javante Williams. That's the uh, backup running back on the Broncos. He was twelve to one on DraftKings, so that was that was quite interesting. I I played that. Well, I think we've spent enough time on all these weird skill players who we don't even know who their names are. But I, I know Javante Williams. Oh so. wait, I got I got one more. I got one more. Okay. I, got, uh, I took a alternate under. For this game, just thinking, muck it well, how up. How low are we going here? Like it's like the limbo. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're going low. We're going thirty five point five under. So you're at plus one eighty five. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking this is gonna muck at, it up. What price on that? Plus one eighty five. Okay. On DraftKings. Okay. I took this the other night. Gotcha. Well, let's stay in the AFC North where we have uh, another big game. I mean, any game in the division of the AFC North or the AFC West, for that matter, uh, is going to be pretty pivotal. And and that's what we have with the Cincinnati Bengals going to Charm City to take on the Baltimore Ravens. 
And we've seen Cincinnati catching six and a half on the road, total 47. I, I lean pretty strongly with the road dog here with Cincinnati, Alex. And I do think I probably will get there. We talked about this on our spaces conversation on Sunday night that I realized that, you know, the average person is going to look at Cincinnati kicking the crap out of Detroit and think, well, you know, corner TV at the bar game, who cares? And I I can understand that, but I thought that was a coming-of-age victory for the Bengals last week when everybody, you know, us gamblers at least, are kind of thinking Detroit, trendy dog, Cincinnati, you know, team you want this season as a dog and you want to fade them as a favorite because they'll get up for games in which they can really prove themselves and, and prove that they're, you know, worthy of a seat at the table with some of the better teams in the league, but are they good enough to be trusted in the favorite role. And so when they go there and do that to Detroit, I think, again, coming of age, it's a sign of maturity. And now the Cincinnati Bengals are four and two. And there's been a lot of skepticism about Zach Taylor. Um, and I still don't know how great of a coach he is. But I can tell you this, if he was a terrible coach, that score wouldn't have been what it was last week with the Bengals clobbering the Lions. So he was able to kind of get his team ready to play, and that 34-11 to 11 even feels a little misleading because they really took it to Detroit uh, in the Motor City. And, and the big thing was the defense for Cincinnati. Again, I know they're playing the Lions, but the defense showed up, and you know that's been the, a big problem area for the Bengals' defense and O-line. We all know they have a good quarterback in Burrow and, and great skill talent, but if they start getting better in some of those other areas, then yeah, you're going to have a pretty good team here. And so now... You have them going to Baltimore. Now they're back in that role that we kind of like them in, where they're a dog and, you know, it's they're four and two. It's the second year for Joe Burrow. It's an opportunity for them to really prove themselves against one of the upper echelon teams in the NFL. And so I don't know how you can't look at anything other than Cincinnati when you look at this point spread, because you're talking about a divisional dog who we always do. We always talk about divisional dogs being good bets and, you know, you look at the Ravens, I realize it's a division game. I realize that John Harbaugh is a coach that you would think would always understand the importance of these games in the AFC North. But having said that, the Ravens have wins already over the Chiefs and the Chargers. And so I think there's an element of we've already proved ourselves against the best teams in the league. We don't need big margin here against the Cincinnati Bengals. We don't need to go out and kick the crap out of them. Even though the Bengals are 4-2, and two, maybe they want to do just that to prove to the Bengals, hey, you're not quite on our level yet. So that might be the case. But let's also not forget that Cincinnati, or excuse me, Baltimore, in this big favorite role, hasn't been great. Failed to cover against the Colts and sort of lost the game outright as touchdown home favorites. And if it's not for Justin Tucker's 66 yard field goal, they lose outright as a, I think a nine point road favorite against Detroit, the same Detroit team that Cincinnati went to on the road and kicked the crap out of. So I definitely think that the Bengals are the side here. I give Baltimore credit for getting to where they are. The Ravens, I believe have the most players, on injured reserve right now as we're almost halfway through the season. Um, but I I think this point spread is a little inflated. 
Ravens have won five in a row. They're rolling at the moment, and the Bengals are kind of a quiet four and two in some ways because of the fact that, like I said, that Detroit game kind of had a little bit of a last TV at the bar type element to it. So I like the Bengals. A, a, a strong lean for me and probably will be a play on the Bengals plus the six and a half. I completely agree. I'm looking at the Ravens. Like, are we sure this is a good team? We saw them get very lucky bounces. They got that fumble against the Chiefs, and then they got that incredible kick from Justin Tucker to beat the Lions. Like, they could have easily lost those two games. If they lost those two games, this is a completely different spread. What do you what do you think that line would be? I, I could see like three, three and a half if they, they lost three, those yeah. two games. Yeah, so now we're seeing six, six and a half. Or, this would be a completely different spread if they lost those two games. So looking like a good team just because of those two wins, which they Probably they definitely should have lost the Chiefs game. We saw Clyde Edwards Hilaire give up like his first career fumble and finally lost the game for them. And then they had that incredible kick. Yeah, I I really like the the Bengals in this spot. The Ravens secondary they ranked twenty fifth in the NFL. They allowed. 277 passing yards per game. I think this is a great spot for the Bengals. I would love to hammer just any any Jamar Chase yards over. I think that's a great play. And then I probably would I probably would play the Bengals at this number. Yeah. You know, one quick thing on Jamar Chase for as much shit as the Bengals took. For taking him and not taking Panay Sewell, the big offensive tackle out of Oregon. Like, who can blame the Bengals for taking probably the <laughs> offensive rookie of the year? I, yeah, I, I have to hand up. I, I would have taken the, the tackle. So I, I have to yeah. hand up. I, I was wrong. I was definitely wrong. I would admit it. I was wrong. I'm a fucking idiot. That's why I'm not a GM of a football <laughs> team. But I mean, Joe Burrow is still getting absolutely crushed. He's getting blasted every single game, but yeah, it'll be interesting he's still to putting see up a ton of numbers. Where he's at health-wise in the dog days of December, particularly if the Bengals are in the playoff hunt. Absolutely. that, And that's why I would have went tackle, but Jamar Chase, is, he's got to be the rookie of the year favorite now and looks like a great pick, but... Yeah, I, I would have had to go tackle there. So let's move forward and go to the Meadowlands, where it uh, didn't happen in the 2021 draft, but in the 2020 draft, we saw the New York Giants invest a high pick in a tackle. Andrew Thomas going fourth overall out of Georgia to Big Blue. And we have the Carolina Panthers making the trip to North Jersey to take on the G-Men. And the Panthers are a short road favorite in this game of three points, total 42 and a half. Was another one we talked about on our spaces opening line conversation on Sunday night. 
I gave out, I uh, said I liked Carolina a good deal, ultimately landed on Carolina and Denver as my week week seven early leans. Got Carolina at minus two and a half. Happy to see it at three now. I, I think, and I said this in our Spaces conversation, I think I'd like this less if Carolina didn't fight back the way it did against Minnesota in the second half. Uh, and, you know, we'll obviously almost win the game, get to overtime. I think the big thing that made me feel a little uh, reassured in taking Carolina now is the fact that you saw Sam Darnold engineer a late game drive to get that game tied at the end of regulation against Minnesota. And Sam Darnold, uh, you know, previously against the Eagles and Cowboys and most of that Minnesota game really wasn't playing well at all. So, you know, now you have Carolina. Uh, I think the book is probably like we can say, do we overreact a little early on with how quickly the Panthers got off to that three and zero start? Yeah, probably because it was, you know, some bad quarterbacks and Zach Wilson and Jameis Winston and Davis Mills in his first NFL start. So you can look at that and say, yeah, the Panthers defense maybe got a little too much love. But having said that, this is kind of the spot that this is this spot is a lot more like those first three games than the last three where they faced, you know, certainly some more potent quarterbacks uh, and, and offenses in general, Minnesota and Dallas in particularly have, have been pretty good offensive offensively. So having said all that, I think now is where you do want the Panthers because it's, it's a woeful, you know, anemic, whatever adjective you want to use offense to describe for the giants so this should be back where Carolina can just, you know, pin its ears back on defense and get after Danny Dimes and get after, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look like Barkley's going to play again. Like the lackluster offenses definitely get exposed by this Carolina defense. And the big thing for Carolina is going to be, you know, how well can its defense perform against some of the better offenses in the league? That remains a question after not playing well against Dallas a few weeks ago. As I said, Cousins in Minnesota had some success offensively. Um, and then so, you know, the defense against better offenses and Sam Darnold, well, we don't have the defense against a good offense here. So you feel better about backing Carolina against one of these offenses. And that defense, as I said, should be able to play well. And when it comes to Darnold, as I said, I feel reassured that he was able to, uh, you know, engineer a comeback, even though it still ended in an overtime loss to Minnesota. So I will play Carolina minus the short number on the road. Yeah, I'm all for it. Um, I'm getting. Oh, and we also there, have uh, that weird Daniel Jones thing where he's exactly Daniel at Jones home. at home. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Jones is not a great quarterback at home. And now he's going to probably be without Saquon. We saw him. He didn't, Participate in practice today, and neither Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony, another wide receiver weapon, was also did not practice. So that's a lot of weapons down. How is this Giants team going to score? I know we've seen Sam Darnold throw a lot of bad interceptions, but this defense doesn't quite scare me enough to get me off the Panthers. I, I'm definitely going to lay it with Carolina here. There's just not enough weapons on the Giants' side of the ball. I don't know how they're going to score. 
Yeah, I mean, that's really all there is to it. I mean, I don't think, you know, Carolina. Yeah, it's, by like, way, it's a simple, it's a simple handicap, but. Alex, have we seen? There's so many weapons out. Why are we? Why are we afraid of the Giants? It, pretty much, and and that's <laughs> right. kind of what it comes down to. I'm keeping an eye. I'm looking right now. Stephon Gilmore would be eligible to come off the pup. Is he going to make his Panthers debut this week? I'm not sure. I haven't had. I haven't seen that, but. I'm I'm just looking at the yeah, Giants. It looks like his status is up in the air. So okay, uh, even that side, I, on... I, I think this is a great bounce back spot for the Panthers defense. Even if Gilmore's not going, right. I know their first round pick went down, which was brutal. But how are the Giants going to lose the ball? Exactly. Yeah, I I I, I don't know. And, as simple uh, as that is that. I mean, no, no Barkley and Galladay. Yeah, I'm not saying to bet the mortgage on it because you never like when it sounds that easy. But exactly. I, I do think the Carolina defense stifles Danny Dimes and company. And I don't think the Giants get more than two touchdowns here. So I feel pretty good about Carolina. Maybe it's close. Maybe it's like an ugly 2014 type of game. But Panthers win and cover at MetLife Stadium. Let's keep things moving. And uh, a matter of fact, we're going to stay in the AFC and the NFC East, excuse me, where we have the Washington football team going to Lambeau Field. And this number has been bet down. Mentioned Green Bay being one of those four and one, five and one ATS records. Packers rotation number four, five, six laying. It looks like eight, eight and a half total, 48 and a half. You know, and and Alex, I know we, we talked about this game kind of reminding us a little bit of the Washington Buffalo game when it comes to line movement. This game opened, I believe, 10. I think Washington Buffalo opened nine and a half. That Washington Buffalo game closed seven. Uh, and Washington Green Bay here is maybe in, 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 lining up to be bet down into that same neighborhood by kickoff on Sunday. Um, and of course, the Buffalo game, the, the uh, I almost said Sabres, the, the Bills plowed right through them. And none of that, uh, none of that closing line value came into play on the Washington side. But having said that, you know, I, I do think that you know, I'm not, I won't play this game. Uh, I, I think at least I won't play the side. I, I, I think that the line, the money probably is coming in the right direction here. I mean, the Packers, it's a pretty unimpressive win. I felt like last week against Chicago and it was, I mean, I had the bears as the home dog. So I was watching a good deal of that game and the bears have plenty of chances to get through the back door and cover that game as it went on. And I know the bears have a good defense. Um, Washington's defense has been a little leaky this year to say the least. Uh, But green Bay, I just think is a little fraudulent and it might not get exposed in the NFC North because Minnesota and Chicago just might not be good enough. Uh, But it's I hesitate to lay lay big numbers with the Packers uh, because I don't know I, I they got a couple playmakers of course Adams is maybe the best receiver in the NFL and and Aaron Jones is a talented back but you know, not enough high not enough high octane I guess I'll say to to really feel good about the Packers in this price range I do think the over is kind of interesting though. 
we talked about Washington. I think you were on it last week, the Washington-Kansas City game over the total. And that was a crazy high total in the mid-50s. And so I realize that's probably often driven by Kansas City having Patrick Mahomes and the weapons he has. But having said that, you know, we're talking about a total now of 48 and a half. That's about a touchdown cheaper than the Washington-Kansas City total last week. So maybe a little bit of an overreaction to Washington only getting 13 against the bad Kansas City defense. I would look at the over in this game for sure. Yeah, that's the only play I have. I I feel like this has uh, 35-20 written all over it. I think, I think Washington can show up enough. And this Packers defense hasn't really impressed, and Washington is – one of the worst defenses in the NFL. They're really the worst. They've allowed 31 points per game coming into this game. They kind of showed up in the first half, which was actually impressive against the Chiefs, but that was also like a, a fluke interception in the red zone. But they allowed 10 points in the first half last week, but ultimately – they gave up 31, which is unbelievable. They, they really came out. They played well. And then they still allowed this Chiefs deep their offense to, to score 31 total. I think the over is the only play, but I also kind of lean Washington here, but it's really tough to back this team. Can we trust their offense enough? I think they'll score enough to cover this over, but I really don't think they can keep it within 10 points. I, I'm very torn on the total and the over, but also I'm going to ultimately play the over. So some agreement on the total. In this game at Lambeau Field, let's go to Nashville, where we have a rematch of the AFC Championship game from a couple of years ago as the, uh, well, a couple of seasons ago, only a year and a half ago, January 2020, Kansas City and Tennessee met for the AFC crown, Kansas City winning and uh, covering it. That was a brutal cover, by the way. I had the Titans plus seven and. Mahomes had that crazy run at the end of the first half, and the Titans had to lead the whole first half. And once that unraveled, I just knew that that might blow up in flames. And Kansas City posted <laughs> in. That's, that's like, the saying. You know, you know, you're you're done. Do you remember that. the play I'm talking about? Absolutely. Oh, it's just brutal. Like the Tennessee comes out, goes down the field. I think first drive, and I think Henry scored, and I'm feeling great with seven points in my back pocket. Titans have just been running all over everybody. Doesn't that help? That that feels like every single Titans game. They always come out. They Henry's running all over the fucking oh, field, and you feel this great. Is insane. Like yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's how he does what he does. Like he's somebody that. A lot of times, like I think one of the years, like his first big smash year, I like 2018, I think it was, um, I had him in fantasy, and I haven't had him since because it's been one of those things where I'm just like, this dude can't keep doing this, right? He's getting 30 carries a week. Like, 
and he's just like it's superhuman like it's crazy it's honestly unbelievable that he keeps yeah that he keeps up this pace it's so hard to people say running backs don't matter you have to sell low right yeah like people say running backs don't matter and it's a theory that i mostly agree with but this is the exception to the rule like this guy is just built differently Oh, absolutely, especially against that Bills team. You thought the Bills were capable of stopping the run. And... They hadn't allowed a rusher to go over 45 yards or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Having he, said all he that. He definitely breaks the rule. He breaks I the rule. I think this week you got to look to Kansas City laying it on the road. Because, I, and I don't know that I'll get there because the Chiefs have just had so many. Like this is, we talked at the beginning of the pod about the good ATS teams and how they kind of struggle as the year goes on. And maybe the inverse will be true and Kansas City will start covering more. They did cover last week against Washington. But it's obviously a big public team. And routinely, the books seem to hang numbers that the Chiefs can't cover. So I don't know that I'll play it. But I, I, I worry a little bit about Tennessee short week off that big win in a division where you know, they could have a hiccup and it's not really going to matter. I would, I was thinking that Tennessee would be a fade off of how crazy that went down on Monday night football this past week. Uh, But I don't like Kansas city enough at the moment to bet it. So probably just a lean on the road chalk with Kansas city. We're going to ultimately play the chiefs. I got Minus five. These trends aren't great, but the the Chiefs, they rank 27th in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game. They give up 133 yards per game. And then the Titans are ranked third in the NFL in yards per game on the ground with 164. But then you have the Titans defense. They rank 28th in DVOA. I just think you have to back the way better offense, especially at that huge emotional game that the Titans just won. They had no business winning that game. I actually love that call by McDermott to go for it on that fourth, to go for the win. You have to score a touchdown there. I really like that play call. Obviously, it did not turn out right, but I sh- I think you have to fade the Titans' defense here again. I I don't think this defense is very good at all. Granted, the Chiefs' defense is fucking terrible, so it's really tough to back, but I trust the Chiefs' offense here way more than I trust the Titans. So I think you have to back the Chiefs at this number. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is, did Tennessee, are we at the point yet where we're trusting them, putting them in the conversation with the elites of the NFL? And and the answer is probably still no. And and Kansas City, for better or for worse. Isn't isn't this this the Titans team that lost to the Jets that we we called? We loved the Jets that one one week. Just yeah, thinking, and, right? It's, the Titans are not that good of a of a defense. Titans, and I, I, listen, I realize that Arizona's looking good, 
but week one, the Titans got slaughtered by Arizona at home. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think I got to see a little more than a, a one data point. Give them full credit for that win against Buffalo. But win this game. What about the over? Believe. What about just, just blindly taking the over because both defenses aren't very good? I mean, where are we at? 57? Yeah, I mean, I hear you, but... I mean, that's actually that's so many points when, when you say it out <laughs> loud. Are we yeah. really going to see, like... Like, it's one of those three, things, seven, like, 20. 30 to 24 stays under. Like, that's crazy. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that is. That's too many points, but... Yeah. Let's move forward Sheesh. and go down south where we have the Atlanta Falcons coming off of a bye... How about this? The Atlanta Falcons are a short road favorite against the Miami Dolphins. Total of 47 and a half. Atlanta laying two and a half. A little frustrated. I talked about Atlanta maybe being a, a side I was interested in as a pick em. Now it's out to two and a half. I did not bet Atlanta at pick, so I'm not going to bet this game. Uh, I do think my, my reasoning behind maybe liking Atlanta at pick was Arthur Smith, first-year coach, coming out of a bye Maybe he has more time now to implement everything he wants to implement. And Atlanta really should be three and two, um, having uh, the. Why am I drawing a blank now? Oh, the Washington game. That's what it was. Uh, a real close loss went against them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I do think that Atlanta is going to be a team that continues to get better as the year progresses uh, at two and three right now, you know. Certainly, they've gotten better since that blowout loss against the Eagles, and uh, the the Bucks score was misleading. They definitely should have at least covered that game. And like I said, uh, Washington, that was a crazy barn burner that they ultimately ended up losing in the closing seconds um, against the football team. So I just think Atlanta's got a little more going for itself at the moment than the Dolphins do, who just lost to the Jags, but... Hey, maybe that's why you you're going to take the Dolphins. Uh, maybe is part of your reasoning like just being an ultimate buy low here with. Oh Miami, yeah, right. You know? Doesn't it doesn't it feel like they should just absolutely get up after that Jags like, loss? But right, like if they I'm kind of nervous after seeing. Jags have you by seen double this? Digits, what's this line like? Are they favored? Probably right. Oh, at home. Yeah, yeah. they have to be right. Yeah, right. I would think so. If they, yeah. if they if they demolish the Jags, yeah, I think them losing to the Jags is worst case scenario for the Dolphins. Just now, you're you're underdogs. I, I well, I think, here's the thing, Alex. Here's one thing I I want to ask you about. I was I'm curious about like because you like the Dolphins here. Like, do you worry at all about the stuff coming out this week about Tua and like maybe a big Dolphins uh, trade, Deshaun Watson, like? Locker room, like attention, yeah, focus. Like I was, there. I was gonna mention that. I, <laughs> I bet the Jag or the Dolphins early in the week, and I'm honestly nervous now after that that news. I just saw that this morning or this afternoon after I already bet the Dolphins early in the week. I think that's a huge concern. That that there's reports coming out that two is going to be traded to Washington. I think that's a 
very much a legitimate concern. I think that definitely permeates through the locker room, right? It can. It can't oh, not. I would think so. I mean, all these players are on social media. Like, they're seeing the right, same stuff. this day and age, every, everyone sees what's, what's happening in real time, which is insane. You see that drop on Twitter. You know every single player is on Twitter and Instagram and seeing that. That news drop is a three-way trade. I mean, just any rumblings of your starting quarterback being traded to another team. I, yeah, that makes me nervous for this game. I, I just don't. I don't trust the Falcons. I don't like that I played them this early. The Dolphins, that is. It makes me nervous. I, I probably would stay away from this game just because of that news. It's one of those things that you can't quantify. It might mean nothing. It might mean a lot. And so trying to handicap this game with a Dolphins locker room that might not be focused is it can be tricky. But let's stay in the AFC East. Well, you, a- you you mentioned the, the locker room, and it's like they just got back from from a loss in London. They just yeah. got back from traveling with. And then this is what you come back to. Yeah, everyone knows, like, traveling fucking sucks. Doesn't matter if you're on a private jet. It's still not ideal. And then you the flight come back to this news. <laughs> yeah, you come back to this news, and it can't be fun to hear that. Your starting quarterback might be going up to Washington. You might have, a, might have to play a backup because I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to play anytime soon. What do you, what do you think players in the league on rosters? Like if you, it's it's a generic question, but I wonder like what do you think they think about the Watson stuff right now? Like if you're on the Dolphins, what's going through your mind? Even if it's not about Watson coming to your team, like what are you thinking about like Deshaun Watson and if he should play? Like do you think it's something that players like have opinions on like we do like if if he should be playing or not it's a great question dude i i really don't know there's so many when it gets to this point where it's i mean i don't know the exact number but it feels like it's 25 or plus allegations and there's several that are going like civil court and and criminal court it's like how how can you it's really tough to quantify like how can anyone in the locker room trust this guy or or just want to play with this guy that's right like alleg- that's allegedly like, an NFL player like, on one of these teams that wants to or that is rumored to acquire Deshaun Watson how are you not like second guessing your front office and management ownership like everybody that's signing off on this like there's just a human side to this that like clearly the Dolphins could use an upgraded quarterback, but I I just right. I wonder so how could, the players so react when they see Deshaun Watson linked to their team. Yeah, and absolutely Washington definitely needs an upgraded quarterback. So Tua might be that guy. I I don't think he really Tua and Fitzpatrick are really gonna do that again. <laughs> 
Yeah, I really don't think that it's much of an upgrade. The, the defense is so bad, and the the weapons are are really are really shot right now. Like no Curtis Samuel playing. The Washington team does not need a quarterback right now. They need several defensive players. So, but back to your point, I can't imagine coming in the locker room like how is anyone going to be comfortable? Also. He's not going to play. Sean Watson is not going to play this year. How can you bring him in and make the locker room feel comfortable? He he's just he's not going to see the field this year. Right. So this yeah. is obviously a move for the future. Yeah, I can't imagine how any player would would feel comfortable. They're obviously behind Tua if they're on this roster, so I can't imagine bringing in Watson. This, this can't be a comfortable situation. So as I said, I want to get to the a couple other teams in the AFC East, uh, those two being the New York Jets and the New England Patriots, as they will square off at Gillette Stadium on Sunday afternoon. And the Jets are a 7 point road dog total of 42 and a half talked about this one a little bit in our spaces too don't like it as much as uh, Denver and Carolina but I did end up taking Carol or excuse me New England minus the seven I, I think as much as I talked about Dallas and being undefeated against the spread and how I think the Cowboys might be primed for a regression perhaps as early as Sunday night football in week eight against the Minnesota Vikings I also think in some ways, given that the most recent victim for the Cowboys was the Patriots, I think that game, like anytime you see a phony final like that, uh, at least a phony cover the way you had with Dallas, I think you want to not only think about fading the team that covers, but backing the team that didn't cover. And and New England, I think the Patriots are getting there. Like, I, I don't know that they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, clearly they have to win this game and, and you know, I'm thinking. Go to two and five with a loss to the Jets, then yeah, it's not going to happen. But if they can win this game, get to three and four, they're still at least in the conversation. And if you look at what's happened with the Patriots, they've lost a lot of close games. They should have beat Miami week one, fumbled a ball, you know, late. I think it was Damian Harris. They won all the stats and lost the game against Miami. You know, they should have, well, I don't want to say should have beaten. Tampa Bay, but I mean, Belichick makes a very surprisingly bad decision there to kick a 56 yarder when it looks like Matt Jones is able to move the ball enough to get him closer, run the clock out and kick a game winning field goal. And that's against Tampa. You know, and we just saw New England last week against Dallas acquit itself pretty well. So I think the Patriots are close and it's just a matter of a few plays here or there starting to go against them or that, that are going against them now that could go for them down the line. And I, sometimes when you talk about routinely losing close games, you can say, well, that's just who they are. They're not good. I, maybe that's true with the Patriots, but I, I think a Bill Belichick coach team buttons it up and they will continue to play well, continue to be in games as underdogs against the team. Similarly, the, the ones I just mentioned. So here against the Jets, I mean, I liked them. We were on a minus five and a half back at MetLife in week two. So I feel like you got to like a minus seven at home here. You do have the Jets coming out of a bye, but rebuilding year certainly for Gang Green. 
with a new head coach and Robert Sala and a new quarterback and Zach Wilson. Obviously, part of the reason we liked the the Pats so much, excuse me, in week two was with the matchup defensively, the defensive savant in Belichick and his defense going up against Zach Wilson. All of that makes me think, I think it's a similar repeat type of ugly, ugly game for Wilson. And New England, as I said, I think is getting close towards a little bit of a breakthrough and starting to win games uh, more regularly. I think that starts on Sunday. They win big. Patriots, um, I'm thinking something like 24-7, you know, maybe maybe even worse. So I, I like them to cover the seven. I have nothing on this, but you're kind of making me lean towards the under, which is about 42 and a half now. And we saw week two, Wilson threw four interceptions versus the Patriots. And New England could only muster 25 points. So I think your score prediction is probably really spot on, and I think that went to the under as well. I think the under might be the safer play here. I get the point, and I do think if you are buying into a lower-scoring game, then the under is the play more than New England. I just think Mac Jones and company – make enough plays where I would lay it, but I, I, I hear your point. Well, we, we also know, we know Bill Belichick, rookie quarterback. That's, that's a very known fact that he just dominates it. I mean, we saw them dominate the Jets already in week two, so I can't imagine this will be very different than, than that. Right, so right. I completely agree. Let's get into the late window where we have the Detroit Lions traveling to SoFi Stadium to take on the Los Angeles Rams. Detroit, a 15-point road dog, total of 50-and-a-half. It's the Jared Goff revenge game, and I don't really have anything else other than I just wanted to get a revenge game <laughs> reference into the pod. I like the you revenge love it. game. You love it. You love a good I, revenge game. I don't know, like... Maybe it worked. It worked. Uh, do do you yeah. consider? I I can't really like look at this game and take it seriously with with this big of a spread and and the Rams did just cover a big spread on the road against the Giants. You know the Rams are firing. Uh, you know it seemingly looks like they're back after that bad loss against Arizona. Um, but 15 is crazy high. Um, I, I would not really play this. If you want the revenge game angle, you could probably get a good price on a Jared Goff anytime touchdown. Maybe they scheme something up for him on a quarterback run inside the five-yard line and let him keep the ball. So there you go. That's all I have on this game. <laughs> I I would not advise that at all. I I absolutely hate the Lions here. I, I think the Rams could – easily cover the spread but also i'm not in the business of laying this many points in the nfl but jared goff away from McVay, he's he's three and ten against the spread without sean McVay. i just i cannot lay this many points with either side but i think if you have to play it you gotta go to the ramps this line secondary is very, very poor. So 
I think the my Rams could easily cover this, but yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna advise anyone to play this. Yeah, I, that's kind of how I feel. Where it's like, if you stuck a gun in my head, I'd probably say take the Rams, but it's just very difficult to endorse these favorites in this price range in the NFL. So I'd probably stay away from this game. And, you know, I, I think it's just one of those where you expect the Rams to roll and continue to look like one of the best teams in the NFL. And if they don't, then, you know, clearly that would say something about the Rams moving forward. But we shall see. Let's go to Sin City, where the Philadelphia Eagles travel to Las Vegas to take on the Vegas Raiders. And the Eagles are a short road underdog in this game of three points. The Raiders off that impressive win in a tumultuous style, given the week that transpired leading up to the trip to the Mile High City. And then they go into Denver and beat the Broncos 31-17. Pretty impressive from the Raiders. Total in this game of 49. But I think you mentioned you kind of like the Eagles. I would lean that way as well here. Extra time to prepare for a young coach like Nick Sirianni. You would think that would matter. And so I do think the Eagles uh, have recovered to some extent since getting blown out by Dallas on Monday Night Football back in week three. I thought while they didn't cover against Kansas City, Jalen Hurts moved the ball well in that game and I thought played well. They come back and rally late against Carolina. I think that was a sign of a young team with a new coaching staff that was still playing for its coach and uh, you know, not quitting in a game that it looked like they could quit in because it was an ugly first half against Carolina for the Eagles. And then on Thursday night football, same thing where they could have folded in that game. Ugly start. Bucks were going up and down the field. And the Eagles end up coming back, making it quasi-interesting, more than a little interesting for us as gamblers as the Eagles get through the back door and cover on a two-point conversion. So I, I think that there's still some fight in the Eagles, and that, you know, Howie Roseman even said it, the president of football operations, after they traded Zach Ertz, you know, he said they're still interested in seeing what they can do this year, and they're not just going to be a straight seller. So I I think that the Eagles probably, uh, on one hand, you look at that Ertz trade and figure, well, the veterans, if they do want out, there's motivation for them to play well. And, uh, you know, obviously the younger guys have more opportunities and and continue to try and prove themselves. So all of that makes me think the Eagles could be a live dog here. And then you look at the Raiders. Like, what's to trust about them? We talked about that a little bit with Tennessee against Kansas City. Well, I don't know how you feel great about the Raiders as a favorite because you look at their wins. It's Monday Night Football, week one, first game with fans in Vegas as a short home dog against Baltimore. Then it's a win against Pittsburgh, and we know that Pittsburgh – just kind of stinks for no other reason, you know, and you look at last week and you give them credit for going to Denver and winning the way they did in a division game. Not that Denver is much of anything more than the 500 team that it is, but all these games for the Raiders are big games, you know, going to Pittsburgh, welcoming in the Ravens on Monday night football, big division game against the uh, Denver Broncos, excuse me. So now the Eagles, like I, I worry a little bit about the consistency on behalf of the Raiders here. So I could not play the Raiders. I'd lean with Philly. 
Yeah, doesn't this just feel like a letdown spot? I mean, Philly, they have this surprisingly good passing right. defense. Exactly, because you have the Raiders where they're getting lauded with praise now. Oh, look at what they did against the Broncos. Right, they beat the Ravens, who we think the Ravens are good, right? Right, exactly. So, like, the Raiders... They beat them. Like, everybody's all of a sudden now focusing back to just the team on the field and showering them with praise. And I'm not saying the Raiders are bad, but I just think they're a middle-of-the-road team, and middle-of-the-road teams tend to let down after they have a good game like the Raiders did in Denver last week. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think... The Eagles are the only side to play here. The Eagles, their their pass defense, are ranked fifth in the NFL and average passing yards a lot per game. I'm also seeing that 46% of bets are coming on the Eagles, but 64% of money is coming in on the Eagles, which makes me a bit concerned. I don't think I would back the Raiders in this spot at all. I think the Eagles are the only play here. Let's go to another one of the big point spread games of the week where we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, up against the Chicago Bears as this game is going to be played in Florida with the Bucks playing 12 and a half, total of 47. You know, Alex, I, this is an ugly one. Like, I, I, I don't, I definitely don't want Chicago with Justin Fields, and, and, you know, rookie quarterback. We saw Jalen Hurts really struggle most of the game against that Tampa front seven. So I definitely don't want the Bears. But Tampa hasn't done anything to warrant being a favorite of this price range. You look at the Bucks' ATS results, and they're just two and four against the number. It really should be one in five because of that Atlanta game where they got a couple defensive touchdowns in the fourth quarter. <laughs> um, they, I'm still upset about that. Right. Atlanta like that, that was <laughs> so they they blew off they blew the doors off Miami and we just saw Miami lose to Jacksonville. So for the most part, you know, they couldn't close the deal and cover against the Eagles last week. They let the Eagles back in that game. Right. Very Are we sure Tampa's that, that good of a That's team? what I'm saying. Like, they might still figure it out and be fine. They're fine. But, they're but they're I'm not fine. 12 and a half points with the Bucks right now, playing in Absolutely simple. not. No, no. There's no, there's no reason. But this is a fun spot. We have one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL, in the Bucks, against the literal worst pass offenses in the Bears. It's it's funny. Like, what is going to break? The Bears, they only average 117 yards per game through the air, which is the bottom of the NFL. It's the absolute worst. What is going to break? Like, you have a very bad defense against a very bad offense. What is going to happen? Like, 12, 12 and a half is way too much for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of what it comes down to. I'd still pass the game, though. And, uh, again, it uh, feels weird not being that interested in a Bucks game the same way I'm not that interested in a Rams game. But that's NFL Week 7 for you. There's some ugly games on the card. And speaking of ugly games, let's go to Phoenix, where the Arizona Cardinals welcome in the Houston Texans. 
Arizona is a 17 and a half point home favorite in this game. That's right. You heard that correctly. 17 and a half total of 47. And you know what, Alex, you, you already touched on it. So I'll be brief. This is just the flat spot of all flat spots for Arizona where, you know, the Cardinals are on top of the world after beating the Rams and they win a divisional game against the 49ers in which they don't even play that well. And then they go to Cleveland and the battle of the Oklahoma QBs goes to Kyler Murray and they don't even have Cliff Kingsbury last week because he's out with COVID and they just obliterate the Cleveland Browns who were a favorite in that game. And, you know, the, uh, that was kind of a spot in which we wanted to see, all right, like, let's see what you're made of here, Arizona. Lengthy travel, you're down your head coach, you're an underdog in the game, and they go out and they kick the crap out of the Browns. So, you know what, I've been a skeptical of Arizona, but full credit to them for that win last week, and the Rams win obviously was impressive. I, you know, having said all that, they're one of those 5-1 and one ATS teams that we talked about in week seven that you would want to fade. And you talked, Alex, about Baltimore kind of being lucky to be where they are with the Clyde Edward DeLaire fumble in prime time early in the season. And then that Justin Tucker bounce on the field goal off the crossbar from 66. Well, how about Arizona? I, fo- I found this interesting. The Cardinals have recovered 16 out of 21 of their fumbles this year. So I, I think that's like one of the things where you just look at that and say, well, that's turnovers kind of random you know it's it's who's in the right spot at the right time to pounce on a fumble or maybe a batted ball that could be an incomplete pass that could be an interception things like that 16 out of 21 fumbles recovered seems like a lot of good luck going the way of Arizona too so I I just don't see really how they get the big margin here what's their reason for it like I I think the Texans cover this number it's it reeks a little bit, but you got to plug your nose sometimes, and I do it here. Yeah, it's just simply a this is simply a plug your nose spot here. Seventeen and a half. The Cardinals. Why why do they want to cover this number? I just I just don't see it, and you just don't see huge spreads like this in the NFL. I, just, I can't back the cards, despite being at home. You know, they're fat, dumb, and happy. This feels like a great spot, despite it being Davis Mills. I, I bet it early in the week, hoping that Toronto was going to play, but he's not. He's been ruled out. But, yeah, it's just a lot of points. I, I can't back the Cardinals here. Why do they want to blow out the Texans at this number exactly exactly it's just it's the texans it's an out of conference game if you're arizona you just take care of business and you can win ugly and even you know who cares because at that point then you're seven and oh so and they're not a happier team than than the cardinals and, right now by the way uh, speaks to the point uh, we i want to address this Short week, look-ahead spot, Thursday night football, Arizona week eight at home against Green Bay. Like, you got to like you. Yeah, it's a huge game. That's a huge game. So, 
why why do they want to blow up the Texans here? Like exactly, you know. And, and even if you're, and here's the thing, like they could play, they could take their starters out, be up twenty four, and that back door is still open for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The back door is always open when you have <laughs> three scores in your favor to start the game. Yeah, the back door is always open. Let's go to Sunday Night Football, where we're going to stay in the NFC West. And actually, it's another AFC South-NFC West matchup with the AFC South team on the road in this one as well. The Indianapolis Colts going to the Bay Area to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Indianapolis, a four-point road underdog, total of 44. I guess we don't really know who the quarterback is for San Francisco yet, with both of them dinged up coming out of the bye week uh, are the 49ers. Alex, you like Yeah, they're both questionable. They're both like, questionable. I don't know yeah, if that's I, just like grabbing the four, you know, north of yeah, the that three. Yeah, with... that was absolutely grabbing the four. It, you just, you don't know which quarterback is playing. And then. Are you buying Carson Wentz with a couple of good games here? I do. I do kind of lean Carson Wentz. He, he's had several good games the past couple of weeks. And then you just. I mean, Kyle Shanahan out of a bye, I do like that, but he's not great as a home favorite. He's 5-13-1 against this red as a home favorite, and that kind of worries me. It's just we don't know who's the quarterback. Both quarterbacks are questionable. They were both limited in practice today. It makes me kind of worried, and I just don't know how they get up for this game. This is such a random game. The Colts at the Niners. Why are they super prepared for this game? I really like what Carson Wentz has been doing. I think this is too many points. I'm assuming it's going to be Trey Lance. That's kind of what I'm betting on, so that's why I grabbed the number. Yeah, I don't have much here with – I kind of like the whole Shanahan out of a bye thing just because I like Shanahan, but I couldn't lay it with San Francisco. Too many un, too many uncertainties right now with the 49ers. They've lost three in a row, so it is a big game for them from that standpoint. In the NFC West, like they, you can't keep losing games. Uh, this early in the year, the panic meter will skyrocket a lot quicker, so I get it, but at the same time – we talked about San Francisco's secondary kind of being the problem for the 49ers with some injuries back there. And Wentz has been playing well. He's got T.Y. Hilton back. Um, you know, I, I hear what you're saying on Indy. I'll probably uh, be sitting out Sunday Night Football, although uh, maybe I'll have to find something just for some primetime actions. Let's end in the Pacific Northwest, where the Seattle Seahawks Welcome in the New Orleans Saints. We have the Saints out of a bye in this game, and they are the laying it on the road, a five-point, five-and-a-half-point road favorite. Looks like five, excuse me, total of 43. You know, and Alex, I know you're down on your Steelers this year, but this was the first thing that I thought of when I saw this line. You're telling me that Seattle is a five-and-a-half-point road dog against Pittsburgh, and now they're a five-point home dog against New Orleans. Like, 
is New Orleans that much better than Pittsburgh? Like, I don't think so, which means I got a fire on the Seahawks just out of principle right there. And hey, I got Geno Smith in prime time. He's, I think, five and one against the spread. Yes, yes, he is five and one. You know, I like that. In all seriousness, like, basically the same line for Seattle at home against New Orleans as on the road against Pittsburgh. Like, I, I, that by itself makes it a play on Seattle for me. Yeah, I'm going to lay off, but I do agree that Geno Smith, they, they also really look great in the second half, but it's going to be a pass, but I would probably lean Seahawks with you as well, especially at home, man. 12th man in all prime time. Exactly. It's really tough to fade that Geno Smith here. It's really tough to fade Geno Smith. I love it. That's a great way. <laughs> I hate to say it, but are we really trusting? No, you can't. Saints here, but I, by I, the way, yeah. Are we? If you blindly bet him as a favorite the last twenty six times, eight seventeen and one. So Seattle's secondary oh, yeah. is not I very love good. That. It's a great but, trend. Right, like Seattle secondary is not very good, but James can't pick him apart. Like he's just. Oh, no, God. this guy is due for several interceptions. A couple cookies, yeah, absolutely. Right. So That's why it makes it hard to bet the Saints, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that'll wrap things up for us as we close with the Seahawks and Saints Monday night football game. He's Alex Uplinger. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Follow him at Alex underscore up seven at full underscore slate underscore pod as well. NFL Week 7 is upon us. Alex, thanks a lot for your time, and we'll do it again next week. Yeah, buddy. We'll talk there to you soon. Alex Uplinger, I'm Greg Frank. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Thanks to everybody for tuning in, and of course, please play responsibly.